Hey everyone, welcome to the MTG Painful Truths Podcast. This is episode two. I'm Britt Wagner. With me, as always, is Cole Kirkman. Cole, how are you doing today? Oh, phenomenal as always. Just, you know, just another day. Man, I hear you. It's been a hell of a week. I'm about the second week of my on-call. What sucks is uh, getting phone calls at 5.30 in the morning. And <laughs> it, it, so here, here's the deal. So I... Get one one night this week, I get a call at 5.30 in the morning, and I get up about 7.30, which means I wake up, I help the person, and I try to go back to sleep, but it's just so, so late that I'm just like, I have to get up in like an hour or an hour and a half, and it's like mentally I just can't turn off my brain and go back to sleep for the last hour. Um, I had one at 3 a.m. That's so much better because that's just like in the middle, and you're like, I can still get four decent hours, but it's been kind of rough this week. Uh, I'm so glad I'm about to be off on call. But how how's your week been? Uh, I just started uh, work uh, as a pharmacy tech, so that's been uh, one hell of a sit there and uh, work on a computer. Uh, yeah, I bet it's training. It's really fun. Um, oh yeah, it's. I just today actually my legs hurt because today uh, they like put me in. Uh, sorry, my dogs are going at it. Uh, they put me in. They're like, all right, you can like see how like the pharmacists work. And I got to meet all of them, and they were like busting ass. So I was like, fall on them. <laughs> Very cool. So let's go ahead and get right into it. This week we're going to talk uh, just a few topics this week, but they're going to be very good. In just about 12 hours from the recording, uh, Cole, you're going to be playing in the 10K event that's going to be in the Fort Worth Convention Center. Uh, yeah, in we a modern format. Yeah, we we mentioned that last time. Sparkle. I'm sorry, my dog is. She's, she wants to join the podcast. Um, so we mentioned it last time, uh, last you know, last episode, and we talked about like getting ready for it, all that, and yeah, it literally is. I gotta like after we are done recording, uh, Brent, thank God, is gonna help me do the deck list stuff, and then I'm off to bed. Um, hopefully, get some amount of sleep before this thing. Uh, my expectations of it for myself. I'm hoping I do well. Uh, we're going to talk about it later between the options that I'm debating. Uh, one of them, Brent is super high on. Like, We'll get into it later. It's pretty funny. Right. So we're going to go over the 10K event. Uh, we're going to go over the expected metagame, and we're going to tie in the HBMO metagame, which I think actually was tilted pretty much. Uh, well, we'll get into that soon, but we'll talk about the, the expected metagame. And finally, real quick about a paper BNR announcement that's just came out. That news was, I think, yesterday or today, and how we got to it. I think it's actually going to be a pretty interesting talk. Um, this won't be a strategy discussion about Popper because um, I know nothing about Popper. Cole's the same way. In, in the nicest way possible, we know literally zilch about that format. I do, this... I do have, I do have a popper deck built. Is uh, the walls deck that an amulet player was playing, and I was, thought it was so cool, and it had Curian Ranger, and I'm just so happy to get my playset during MH2 time. And I was like, I was like, oh, M- uh, Curian Ranger, and they're like, uh, okay, and they just hand it to me. I was like, yes, and then now I have like seven copies on accident. Um, Let's go, let's go ahead and jump right into it. So go ahead and tell us about uh, the decks that you were considering and then uh, what you decided to land on for tomorrow. Yeah, so we, we actually did figure out what, what we're doing. Um, I'll, I'll save that for last. We'll, we'll go through the list. Okay. So obviously, at the HBMO, I played Yawgmoth. I had really good success with it. In my, like, in my opinion, for playing in a paper format at a big event and ha- not having played in a long time... Um, I did my best. There were misplays, like we talked about last time. But I decided that Yawgmoth, um, I prior to the HBMO, actually, Brett and I, we had practiced for months. Um, because the HBMO was supposed to be a thing, like, a year ago, and then, like, another year. Like, it, it got pushed back a lot, obviously, for, for right reason. Um, but we, we, we didn't spend that time basically just going, oh, man, HBMO's not happening. All right, well, we're going to shelve everything. No, we kind of, like, we're slowly finalizing what we wanted to do and what we wanted to play. Brent had always, you know, been a big Amulet Titan player, probably one of the best I literally know. Um, and I, I don't even remember what all I went through. Oh, through the breach was like one of my uh, favorite uh, decks. 
uh, to play. And uh, then MH2 came out. The format kind of like completely changed. And I landed on Yogmoth, which I played. Like I said, played it at the HPMO. Felt really good about it. But I finally kind of decided for this event that I would uh, I'd shelve it for now. You know, give it a good old break. Come back to it at a later date for a different event. Um, and I I decided between one of the decks is Jeskai Prowess. Apparently, I think Andrea Mangucci uh, have been playing it a lot. I'm not entirely sure. Don't quote me. Um, but I kind of like stumbled across it. Uh, one of the big changes that I was making to it at the time was I was cutting Ragavan for Sprite Dragon. Um, I felt like Sprite Dragon in our local meta was just more well fit than Raggles. Um, I'm still kind of on that fence about that. I don't really know. I'm personally tired of losing to Ragavan, so maybe I want to just be in the driver's seat of other people losing to Ragavan. Could possibly very well be my game plan. Uh, another deck that was on the list um, was Eldrazi Tron. Uh, just a consistent deck in our format, uh, at least in our locals from what we saw at the HBMO. Like I said, we're going to go over um, what all we're going to talk about format-wise that we think is going to be there. But there was a lot of Rhinos at HBMO, and Etron actually did really well there. Uh, and then the other deck, our Pride and Joy, as we'll call it, uh, is Black Red Asmo Grizzlebrand. Yeah, right. And this is something that uh, one of my Amulet players. Um, so real quick, a Spike. I love what hearing his podcast, or not his podcast, his uh, Twitch stream, and he. Every time he talks about Amulet, he's like, I don't know why Amulet players just kind of give up on the deck when they think it's not very good. I think he's right. Like, Amulet, like, Fran, the notable Twitch streamer, he's he's been play, he's been playing a Lance deck a lot recently. Um, he's pretty low on Amulet. Uh, House of Mana, he played Green-White Heliod recently. And then there's Grilled Cheese, who's, like, not as well-known um, in, uh, in the public as being an amulet player, but he certainly is. And he, he comes up with some wild uh, innovations and things he thinks are good. Like if you remember the amulet time, they had the, the three swan songs in the sideboard as a, as their counter spell of choice, just hold up blue mana. And you had to work around the mana base that started with him. That was his idea was swan songs in the board. He was very high on them. Um, but anyway, he, he, was, he started playing this, uh, black red reanimator and this is very different than like the black white reanimator that came out with uh with persist and stuff like that yeah with mh2 what yeah mh2 um which is you know a respectable deck this is a very different spin on how to play reanimator uh using gorio's vengeance as kind of the, the one the of choice. the oldest modern like decks that had oh. fell off the earth basically right right and he he played this and i was like uh, well it's just grilled like to me grilled cheese is just like I'll I'll see him and then I'm like gonna disregard him pretty quickly. <laughs> he's just he's a wild kid. Um, but I, I do I chatted with him a few times. I actually bought uh, Amulet Titan T-shirts. Um, I actually bought one too because <laughs> like I want to you know it's Amulet. We're gonna be twinsies. Awesome. Yeah, we're twinsies. Yeah, uh, I'll need to bring it tomorrow because I keep forgetting. But um, he's he's a great guy and I I was like okay he's gonna do his weird shit again like like he always does. Then he said, "All right, I'm 22 with three with the deck." I was like, "Oh, well, that's that's pretty good, even for like, and it's through a league, so you could just like take that for however you want." But he's 22 and three. I think at the time of this recording, he's 34 and six, so he's still his win rates dropped off a little bit, but still like not bad. That's um, about 80 percent, something like that, win percentage. So just very strong. And I told I. I'll send random deck lists to Cole. Sometimes it's a joke because if it would have like uh, Mavani Acid Moss, he's not going to really look at the list. But in this case, it had um, it had his his our our mother and was a, a way to turn to it pretty pretty regularly. So I, I thought it was really really interesting. And then uh, finally, I think today was the the day where you're like, I, I you know what, I'm in. Oh yeah, definitely. We kind of just sat there, like actually before we even started the podcast, uh, just going through uh, different decks that I had like mentioned, and we kind of just decided that like, why not f it? Like, it's a new deck. It's cool. I like Gorio's Vengeance. I was playing it back in the day when Faithless Living was legal. Um, 
So I kind of just am like, yeah, it's a 10k. Um, why not? Might do well. You get free wins off these kinds of decks all the time. Um, your opponent just, you know, turn two Emrakul. There's not very many decks that can just answer that. Um, my biggest thing was always, and I talked to Brandon a lot about it, was like the plan B for the deck doesn't ever feel that good. Uh, but uh, Grilled Cheese, like Brent was mentioning, had actually put like results papers up and stuff about the deck. So I've been reading over it before we started. And like, I mean, the man's put work into the deck. Like he, he definitely knows what he's talking about. He, he's got the results to back it up. Right, and it has the... Um, so I remember Goblins when that first came out. Uh, that's that's always the example I like to think of is... Alright, so your plan A is you, you have uh, conspic- uh, Snoop Dogg, Conspicuous Snoop, and Kiki-Jiki, and there's like several combos. Um, and it, it's a, some people will be like, okay, well, it's a combo deck. I'll unmoored Ego, Kiki, or Snoop Dogg. You know, hi, either half the combo, you can't win. But... Goblins does have a just great plan B of just like, I'll just keep playing cards and all, a lot of the cards draw more goblins and I'll just win. And it was just crazy to kind of witness that. This is not, I would say it's probably not as good as goblins as playing creatures, but the creatures, the kind of the fi- the filler creatures, I, I think they're still pretty good. Uh, Bone Crusher Giant um, is a pretty good, good dude. Um, you also get uh, Seasoned Pyromancer, which is just a great draw engine and, uh, and pretty respectable on its own. And it can make up to uh, two more bodies, too, on the way out. So I think it's actually a pretty decent uh, plan. And running with a, a single, no, a few copies, I don't have the list in front of me, a few copies of Wishclaw Talisman to find whatever, whatever piece you're missing. Yeah, um, I mean, we, usually you're going to find hopefully one of the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, you you you're, you need the Gorio's Vengeance. There's no like uh, other Gorio's Vengeance. It's like those those four copies, but you do have ways to tutor for it pretty pretty easily. And you, it's it doesn't have the downside if you give them the Talisman, and then you attack them with Emrakul. Probably they don't get a they don't get that value either. So it's just like that's one of the cards they're gonna have to annihilate too. And the talisman could also just find the last few points of burn because if they fetch shocked and they're at two life or something, then it has a singleton bolt or or you can stomp them to finish out the game. And also, yeah. it uh, also one of Gristlebrand too, which is a card that he a big part of the primer was talking about the value of Gristlebrand and especially specifically against Teferi. With Goro's Vengeance, you have to uh, mill the Emrakul or discard it. And there's a shuffle trigger on the stack, and you respond. You keep keep that trigger on the stack, then you Goro's Vengeance it. Well, to fair, you can't do that. So that's when Gristlebrand is a lot better, and you can draw a pile of cards too, and then and then go from there. The big thing that I also uh, noticed about the deck too is like you have the Urza Saga backup plan too, just making constructs. That's true, and it does find uh, the Underworld Cookbook, which is very good at just a self discard. So that's that's the strongest turn one play you can do it's one of the one of the only ones you can kind of do too but um also uh, asmo to tutor for cookbook which is the discard outlet too that you may need um also the uh the red and apologies i don't have the deck list in front of me the red creature that uh has menace also neonate, a, neonate. yeah 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 good uh, old dredge all-star <laughs> uh yeah he, he has a home here as a as a discard outlet as well, so he's he's fantastic to, to have in the deck too. Um, and that's mostly the deck, and then the sideboard cards are kind of what you expect in a black red deck. Yeah, it's uh, three Layla Void, two Thoughtseize, two Abrade, two Alpine Moon, Shattering Spree, K Command, Night Hill Spell Bomb, and then of course your stock three Void Mirror, basically, or X Chalice amount, you know. Right. So that's so that's what you're gonna be rocking tomorrow. Um, hmm. I think it's, I think it's a pretty sweet deck. I think Grilled Cheese has had pretty good results with it, and uh, yeah, I think it's fantastic. Um, so, uh, anything else you want to cover over this? No, that's good. Uh, I think we can go into. Well, I guess we could talk about the choice that I landed on. Uh, if it wasn't clear, yeah, oh, um, sure. yeah. Uh, we we did choose to go with Black Red uh, Reanimator. Like I like I, I'm pretty sure I already mentioned. We kind of just landed on it like, hey, this is it. It's it's a fun tournament. Why not? Just go for it. Um, but we are going to get into talking about uh, the metagame 
that was a big thing that Brent and I actually talked about prior to the podcast today. Uh, we were kind of in depth about it, and that's kind of what made us talk about it or want to talk about it today, at least, because we we have some very interesting viewpoints. Like our like Texas Med is pretty spiky, but the HBMO was kind of like something different. Right, we did. Uh, the, had uh, DFW has the perception of being like a burn meta game, or even like in our in our kind of play group, a Tron meta game. Um, but it really was. Uh, at the end of the day, there was a lot of blue red Merktide and a lot of hammer during the Hunter Barton tournament. So I was kind of with that info. I was like, okay, so it's pretty, still it's pretty spiky. Uh, still a lot of people who are trying to play the best deck. Um, so as we kind of go into this 10k event, um, I'm going to kind of think that that's going to be the case here too. Um, this is the first big local tournament, uh, since the HBMO was just a few weekends ago. Um, so what I'm really kind of expecting, uh, I think at the time elementals was the, uh, was a deck that people were kind of aware of, but I think we're at the point where people think it's just a very strong deck. And so I think Elementals has got to be on the uptake just a little bit from where it was at the HBMO. And I think those blue, red, Merktide, and Hammer players may kind of pivot to that, or the market share will go to the Elementals just a little bit. But it's kind of crazy because also Rhinos, which won first and second place at the HBMO too, uh, some people think that that's one of the best decks to play as well. Um, so that's, it, I always kind of like, it's hard for me to pick which one I think is going to come into play. And then also just Mono Green Tron, which kind of came up from the ashes. And we spoke about that last week. And it's just kind of a decent, decently placed deck just by having... Uh, it's it's kind of becoming a little bit more mid-rangey. And, you know, Tron, they just eat, that, eat those decks up. And in the uh, trophy race in the modern leagues... That's what uh, why uh, why Prince Principal. That's what he's running is Monogreen Tron, and he's getting a crap load of trophies. Um, I'm not sure about the trophy list now, but I know that's the Singleton deck that he's been playing. And I even think a few local players that are um, pretty spiky, and our even local group is actually going to be considering Tron pretty heavily. So I do think that we're going to be seeing that quite a bit. Um, so that's just kind of my gut take. What do you what do you think, Cole? I definitely think, uh, and I've I've told people a lot about it. I like I preach it to the choir. I've had people ask me, "Hey Cole, what do you think we should play this weekend?" Um, and I'm no professional. I'm no expert. I like to think that I know the game well enough, and I know the format well enough that I can tell you what to take. Uh, and I think Rhinos is one of the best decks in the format. Like there, there are a lot of games. That, like, me and my buddy uh, Jacob have done a lot of leagues I've helped him with. And there are a lot of times that I'll be he'll be, play, like, practicing Rhinos, and you just, your opponent just can't deal with turn three, ten power, and eight of it tramples. Or turn three at their end step, put eight power into play. That tramples. Like, there's just not a lot of decks in the format that just can answer that at a reasonable pace. Like, if the Rhinos didn't trample, I totally agree with you. I think you could race that, kind of. Like, me being a Yawgmoth player, a lot of your creatures have bring back when it dies. Awesome. I'll chump block your 4-4, but the fact that it has trampled doesn't feel as good when you block with your 1-1 Young Wolf. <laughs> so, like, I definitely think Rhinos has just... It just also is a really good instant speed deck. Like, it just gets to go, all right, cool, at your end step, I'll put 8 power into play. My turn. I'm going to attack with 8 power. All right, I am never tapping out ever. Right. Good luck, opponent. And it's and like, also- what, do you, what do you do about that? You're right, and, and it has the thing with, like, living in, it's kind of you get your one hit, you get your cards, and it, they board wipe you or whatever, all is dust. It's, it's It can be difficult to rebuild, or especially if they get exiled for, in some capacity. Um, I guess that does come up. But anyway, with Rhinos, you just get eight more power at minimum, too. So the first, you can just suspend the first one, and then on your turn three, Charlotte's Agent or Violent Outburst. And then very soon you just have like tons of rhino tokens on the table. And yeah, like, it's so hard. You, 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 like, Fatal pushing one is that's just not nearly good enough. 
<laughs> the card doesn't even see nearly enough play no, anymore. I, but, I, uh, I know, yeah. Any, <laughs> like, any one mana spot removal is not good enough. It, unless it can go face or it's Unholy Heat. Like, it's so... We, we talk about it a lot between him and I, and I'm going to bring it up on the show all the time. I remember when Fatal Push came out in 8th Revolt. I remember playing Modern at a competitive level when 8th Revolt came out. I remember Fatal Push being the Goyf is unplayable in Modern card, basically. Like, everybody was so terrified of that card. I remember playing Modern during that time period. I played Ad Nauseam, so I literally just did not give a shit about that card. Didn't care. <laughs> But, like, I remember I would play humans, or not humans, I'd play spirits, like, stuff like that, and they're just like, yeah, Fatal Push your guy, and you're like, alright, cool, thanks opponent, you get to spend one mana on that. And now, like, if you look at modern, like, yeah, there's, like, Rakdos midrange that plays Fatal Push, or the, maybe the Jun deck plays it, but, like... like maybe. Yeah, like, or even if, like, a two of, like, you just... It just isn't hit enough anymore. Like, your opponent plays a Murktide, and you look at that one mana card in your hand, and you're like, yeah, alright, cool, opponent thanks. <laughs> <laughs> like i love it right um and Murtai, they probably spent only two mana for it so you're just like come on come on but you can't um yeah like i think the format i think rhinos is is a safe take um i like hammer time but in the sense that like i like hammer time if you know how to play it excuse me or you just uh just have luck i guess i don't know i i've never had success with hammer time every time i've looked at hammer time my opponent always has the answer that i don't need them to have but i've seen the deck out resilient most people i've seen players pilot it that like are so good that like they make it look so easy so i definitely think if you have a grip on hammer time like i don't know how many decks in the format right now are just free rolls in the sense that hogak was back in the day where like you have to just know the interaction of Hogak, and then you can just win every match ever. Like, you just be like, hey, here's my 8-8 on turn two, and your opponent's like, yeah, all right, cool, I lose. So, like, I don't know how many decks nowadays that are, like, top decks have that kind of potential. I guess Rhinos, like I talked about, like, do it at their end step, and if they're just a non-interactive deck, you're more than likely just going to win that game. But um, I definitely think Hammer Time is a deck that, like, you have to think about it some degree, like, do I floor it here? If I floor it and they punish it, is it just so brutal that I can't come back from it? Um, it's kind of how the black red deck is a little bit too, but to me, like the black red deck, I don't know. It's a it's a funny combo deck that doesn't like have as much of a plan B as a uh, hammer time can, because hammer time gives you pure still paladin, which just is like one of the best cards ever, or Sigarda's aids a permanent enchantment, so like. You know, there's just cards on the deck that just go, I sit here forever, and I do something. Yeah, I could have said it better myself. Um, and those are the big decks that I think that we'll be looking out for. Uh, those about five, yeah, about, yeah, five decks. I, d I don't really expect any mirror matches from you. Um, also, unfortunately, my baby Amulet Titan. I don't expect too many copies in that room oh i do I, want to throw it out there i'm sorry to interrupt I'm, you but i just remembered yeah. I, there was a lot of yogmoth last time <laughs> there really was there was yeah. a fair amount of yogmoth so well so the thing about the 10k versus the hbmo which we we didn't mention so the 10k is like ran by a, a place called pro support we mentioned them last time we kind of talked about the whole mass thing not going to get back into that but um they like the hbmo has a thing behind it it's this big old charity tournament. It's a big deal to everybody. It has, you know, it, it matters a lot to to a lot of people. Stuff like that. And to me, the 10K, the feeling behind it is like, I don't know. Like, for the HBMO, we had Cedric Phillips. We had Aspiring Spike. Uh, we had Aaron Barrich. Like, we had a lot of people go there that are famous, like Jody Keith. Famous people that, like, are from out of town. Whereas this 10K, to me, I don't feel as though it's gonna get the same feeling it's gonna i feel as though it's gonna more so be like we have our we have the cool guy that spikes fnms like at ours you know or maybe spike goes because he's local like stuff like that so i know that spike is not going because of his uh because of the mask optional um but yeah i think like you said the hbmo is kind of a different class of event it's the biggest one in texas uh traditionally every year uh 
so I know Spike specifically said he's not going because of the mask, and I can't imagine uh, too many locals. Uh, I would expect kind of more so locals. I don't think people like Cedric is coming down. I don't think Cedric would come down regardless of like the wor the state of the world, um, because he would have his Star City Games event if it was if life was back to normal. So he wouldn't make this event anyway. So I'm just fully expecting local the FNM uh, All Stars. I'm expecting them. Yeah. Um... It, I, we actually locally, and, and I think Brent and I may have mentioned it last time, that, like, there was, like, a pretty local protest, kind of, to the optional mass thing. There was a lot of discussion in the, in a Facebook group where there was, like, we just want clarity, like, and they weren't, like, reaching out to them privately. I think someone said, um, they mentioned the specific that you would get disqualified if you, uh, didn't refuse to put on your mask after your opponent asked you to. And uh, that took like people that should be a little bit more public, um, but we're, yeah, let's let's not get back into that. But it was, yeah, we, we've kind of given our two was, cents. Yeah, yeah, we sure did. Um, but there is the communication was not fantastic. On I that. will add that I still don't think anything has happened or been said or like no, not that I'm aware of. And we actually did a tournament. Um, I, I don't remember. It was months ago in Oklahoma City where masks were were optional, and everyone, as far as I can tell, wore a mask. Wasn't that Louisiana? It was both, actually. It was. Uh, well, I, was I was thinking about the one in Norman, Oklahoma, basically Oklahoma City, where masks were not mandatory, but everyone wore a mask. And oh, and Shreveport, I don't know actually. If there were masks, I mean, everyone wore. No, there were a lot of people who did not wear a mask. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Now I think about that. But that was kind of near the like before the Delta variant was a thing, and everybody kind of thought the world was. Uh... I think people were. I think I was vaccinated at the time. I don't even think I, I don't even know if I was wearing a mask. But that was a time where I was like, oh, I'm vaccinated, I'm indestructible. But that was pre-Delta coming into play. Uh, but I know like a person I rode with, he was wearing a mask the whole time, and he was like just a one of. A few. It was kind of crazy now that I think about it, because I, I haven't. But I, I do think people wear, will wear masks. I think there will be a lot of people wearing a mask, personally. Yeah, I'm going to wear a mask, too, personally. Um, I, I definitely will be wearing mine. Uh, but I also have, like, a tournament apparel I always wear. Uh, I usually wear a jacket and a hat, because I'm a, an idiot. So, you know, I usually cover up anyways. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, honestly... Uh, before we go on to our next topic, like I think for probably ever, I might just wear a mask at tournaments now. I want us to get to a point where, you know, the, the culture in Japan pre COVID was I'm going on public, but I feel a little sick. I'm going to wear a mask. And that was like, not like the people in America would look at someone like, Oh, they're wearing a mask in public. They're a freak. I, I kind of hope we get to like, if I'm at Walgreens cause I need some cough medicine or something, I'm going to go in wearing a mask. I hope we kind of pivot to where it's just not frowned upon. Like it's acceptable. I think we will, but it'll, it'll I, be I interesting. Hope so. Yeah. But I think we're still um, maybe a little, a little bit of a ways away from that point, unfortunately. Yeah. But all right. So we, we've talked about the meta that we believe is going to be up there. Yes. Uh, so I guess like the last thing on the docket is there's going to be a popper BNR oh, yeah. announcement, which is kind of if you ask. Uh, so we're okay. So just to reclarify, it because we do not play popper hardly at all. So we don't know the popper meta game. I have uh, touched a common. That yeah, might I've be as commons. <laughs> that might be as close as I've gotten. Uh, yeah, I've cast a brainstorm here and there. Kyrian Ranger is still a card. That's a that's what I know. Popper legal. Um, affinity is apparently good. So <laughs> there was a oh the I, I don't recall the event. Let me pull it up real quick, and I'm just gonna um, fill this dead air with me talking. Wasn't like it a this. wasn't it a prelim? Yeah, it's a popper prelim. Yeah. There, so the the story I believe is true. Thank you for uh, pointing that out. That there were a community of popper players that were outraged about the lack of um, that the format was existing in the way that it was, um, because the Shatterstorm deck was still just incredibly 
annoying to play against because you can just turn one that easily and you just kind of have a I win the game card or set of cards. And it was just too good. And Affinity was also too good, is what people said. Uh, so the popper, like the popper community, uh, or at least the people who were intending to play in this preliminary event, said, let's enter and we'll just register basic lands. And pe- that's what everyone did, with the exception of one player who saw the event and said, oh, popper looks like it's going to fire. I'm going to play Affinity. And then as he uh, played his matches, he realized what was going on, that its opponents didn't have decks. They all had basic lands. So the winning deck, the 4-0 deck, was by Ari Zaks. The deck list is beautiful. It is 20 forest, 20 mountain, 20 plains. It doesn't even run a sideboard because it doesn't need one. But that was the winning deck, and all the decks, with the exception of the one Affinity player, was playing this deck. That protest event... This is, that's what they want. They wanted their voice to be heard. I think it actually worked. There's going to be a, a popper BNR announcement. So this is, and I would even say this is not the first time that there's been a community forced banned and restricted event. Um, so I wanted to, the one thing that put they that I think about in the pioneer format for a long time, there was the obviously inverter was the best deck. For a long time. Well, okay, so let me clarify. It was a one of the most played decks, and the best pilots always won with it. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm giving... So, I'm making noises here, because Brent knows my opinion about all of this. I think we mentioned last episode, like, that him and I love Pop... Or Popper. Pioneer. Excuse me. We, we really like Pioneer a lot. Like, the amount of creativeness that can go into the format is some of the coolest stuff you can get out of it. But I've never seen someone kill a format better than my, in my opinion, wizards killing their format. Well, okay. I'll give COVID, I'll give COVID like the, the killing blow. I will give it that, that COVID and paper tournaments going away because nobody really wants to play pioneer on moto. I'll give it credit. I mean, if you're gonna play moto, you might as well just play modern or Legacy, or hell, even Vintage. I guess now Popper. Because, you know, there's a... We're, we're getting there. But, like... They let... I'm going to let Brent finish, but they let that go on way too damn long. And that that's where I'm going to leave it before I get heated. No, no, okay. So, it, it it went on too long, and it was just annoying to play against, and it's really tough to interact with in the, in the form of, like, uh, Pioneer. And there was no deck that just, like, oh... I have a 70% win rate against Pioneer that kind of uh, formed the metagame around those decks. You know, th- that didn't happen. Just Inverter was just tough to deal with. But every time there was a BNR announcement, um, and people were like, okay, this is the time Inverter is gone. And <laughs> every time they said, well, we looked at the data, Inverter has a 49% win rate. I remember that was the Oath of Nyssa unbanning uh, when they decided to put that card back in the format. Which was didn't, they, didn't they ban Leyline too with that though? What they, they like Oath of Nissa and Leyline got banned? They banned tons of parts from the deck. <laughs> like yes, uh, yeah, and that's too bad too. Um, me being a, a a green guy, but 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 they uh, banned uh, armband Oath of Nissa and people were like, yeah, we well, thanks I guess, um, but we want uh, we want Inverter gone. And they said, oh, because Inverter's win rate, it's not very high. It's like 49%. That was the reason they didn't do it. And then weeks later, and I don't, this was months and months ago, maybe even close to a year at this point. So I don't remember specifically. But I remember the BNR announcement. They said, okay, well, we're listening to the community now. And uh, we're banning Inverter because of play experience. And their events weren't firing. Like their challenges and uh, prelims were not firing because people were not interested in the format. Um, so that to me that was the first time where I was like, oh, this BNR is not because of power level, it's because of like the community reaching out and saying, look, we're not going to play the format with this, with this card, with this deck, and that was the, and that's the similarity then that I have to today where Popper like they had a protest event where they're like, all right, we're playing bla- we're playing nothing. To prove a point, and I, th- I think it's like good that they listen. I think wizards do 
uh, well, I, I'm kind of a let's let's believe in the man kind of person. Unfortunately, <laughs> I know people don't like that, but I'm like, well, let's let's play it out and stuff like that. That's and you know, with modern, I'm, I'll say let's. I don't want to ban any card. I know people have strong opinions about Luris and Bobble. and it's it's, al- what, it's almost like Ragavan now too. Like, it, but yeah, the thing about modern bannings, since we're just you know talking, like people have always wanted cards banned out of modern forever. Nobody's ever been not the whole community has never wholly agreed on like, oh yeah, this is totally how we want modern to be. Like, it's always been like, oh man, ban. Uh, like what was it? Oh, ancient stirrings. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's laughable nowadays to think. Yeah, tr- ban a Tron. Like you know, there's always been decks that ban like uh, that. Like people want banned, and and I get that. Like I'll 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 admit it. Playing against Tron sometimes is not fun. I will be I will wholly admit that because it's sure. it's not sometimes. Like sometimes you're a poor little gen player and your Tron opponent goes turn three card and liberated and you lose. <laughs> Like, sometimes that happens. But, like, I think the problem now is because of MH2, there's so many more people that just want things banned. Like, I personally feel like the format's in a fine spot, honestly. Um, Like, obviously, I'm going to have my cards that I hate playing against. Like, I hate Raggles, the silly monkey. I hate that card with a passion. Oh, my God. If I could never see that card again, I would be a happier man. But I have to see that card in almost many matchups. Right. Um, so, like, I hate that card. But not I don't hate that card at the point of, like... Like like I told you last time, I played Hogak. And I know the face of what, like, people were like, fuck your deck. <laughs> like, like you're, you're busted. This isn't fun for anyone. So I, I know the, f- like, look. And I've been on the receiving end of Hogak. I've been on the receiving end of KCI. I don't get that feeling with uh, Ragavan. The feeling I get with Ragavan is, like... Hey, that was my card. Why does your little like monkey get better card advantage than me? Right. Like that that's the that's the thing about Ragavan to me is it's like why does the monkey get more cards than I do? Like why does this 2-1 have so much text attached to it? But unfortunately, that's just how Wizards prints cards now. Is like they make every card a literal story like on a card. Right. Oh my gosh, yeah. And, uh, and we typically do see eye to eye on what cards need to be banned. Uh, like we, this goes back to uh, Arkham's Astrolabe, which was a card we really hated. We hated it so much. Oh my god! Um, and then we ha- both uh, ha- the the thing. You know, it's funny the Uro banning, which there was a lot of changes. Uh, right when that was one of the bi- that was one of the biggest modern bannings. Really, like that banning was pretty massive. It, right and we would all we always talked about like the card the biggest problem for us was mystic sanctuary it wasn't it, like Ura was part of it sure but it was like it was mystic sanctuary that was kind of the i'm going to redraw the cryptic i'm going to redraw the archmage's charm for the force yeah. negation Aether. yeah brian and i agreed that like Uro getting banned was inevitable but we weren't going to be upset if he did we still, yeah, we were still playing Magic and playing Modern and having a good time and probably even playing Uro and Arkham's Astrolabe and Mystic Sanctuary too. Yeah, some of the most fun that we had was the Sultai Snow deck that was around for a minute. Like, oh, yeah. Uro, Astrolabe, Ashiok, like, Ice Fang Quaddle. Like, those mirrors to Brent and I were, like, some of the most fun mirrors we had. They are pretty fun. Um, but we, but, like, saying that, like, I played Hogak. I knew Hogak needed to be banned. Or, like, something needed to happen. Like, I didn't play Hogak and go, oh my god, this deck is fair. So, like... Never. But, and, and that's the same feeling I got, like, when I played uh, Mystic Sanctuary. I played it for a minute, because I usually try to play, you know, better decks. Like, decks that are considered, you know, high tier or whatever. I try to at least dabble in them, because, you know, you want to have a, the knowledge of, like, this is how this deck works. Whatever. And... I remember playing Mystic Sanctuary and cryptic locking people, and I was like, "Wow, well, like, why is this allowed?" Because some decks like just literally can't beat that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, you you just there's nothing you can do, and even like Deprive was kind of a combo too, which we had a friend who played Deprive, picked up Mystic Sanctuary. Yes, that was his like, favorite thing ever. How how do you not love doing that? It's like I'll just pick up the best land in Magic: The Gathering. And just pick up my cryptic, pick up whatever. 
oh man that was so that was yeah that well, it was too good it was too good it was way too good and like the the thing about astrolabe like astrolabe drew a card which was really annoying and you know obviously filtered mana which like the example i said last time thing that pissed me off the most was getting blood mooned when they have three islands like right why why is that a thing that it can happen um and you know like there are bannings like i said like kci getting banned it made sense all that but like right now like people are like yeah bobble needs to be banned Larry's needs to be banned like i just kind of look at it and i'm like i mean but do they like does it make sense and i think it's also like a personal thing because like we just talked about brent and i we we hated mystic sanctuary we would get t-shirts that said fuck that card like we hated that card like i literally hated modern because of that card but i never had a problem with field of the dead i i mean i had problems with uro but like uro and i were were pretty 50 50 on each other basically like if he went he went if he didn't he didn't i i was like eh like the world might be brighter if he goes but the world won't be super dark if he stays that's how i felt and i don't even know how he would be right now it's kind of interesting to look back and think about like cards that are banned and how they would interact with modern right now because the format's just like a whole different format than it was then oh right yeah we we went through mh2 which that's like every deck has some some of those cards for the most part if and usually it's like a fair amount of them too like well, even, yeah, i mean like look at unholy heat yeah yeah like look at unholy heat darcy um ragavan Hell, when MH2 came out, uh, Asmora was, like, one of the best decks. Like, MH2 had one of the... Pro- I, 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 probably the biggest impact on Modern. Yes. Like, yeah, I think MH1 that. had a huge impact in the sense that it printed Hogak, which was busted as hell. But its impact didn't happen till later when people kind of realized, like, how good the set was. Yes. Because when MH1 came out, we all kind of, like, looked at it. I was super high on Hogak. I saw Hogak, I was like, I'm so in on this card. I don't care about anything else in this set but like renin six kind of got looked at she kind of really got looked at for or whatever renin six is got looked at for more for um legacy because you could get back straight mine and also um uh, you could literally down to kill a delver and in legacy that's like a big deal <laughs> um so like you know they're like a lot of cards like urza and hogak really are all the cards and i mean obviously force of negation like Everybody saw that card and was like, oh my god. <laughs> like, insane. Um, but, you know, it wasn't really until after Hogak got banned twice um, that people kind of were like, whoa, there's like some, like, I, I remember Spyros were $10. Like, Season Pyromancer, I remember that card was $10. I remember too. I think and that's I, how much I got him for. Yeah, I remember Not looking much. at that card and I was like, eh, you're right. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like, there were cards that came out in MH1 that we kind of just, like, like moved to the side, I think, at the time. And, and for good reason. Like we said, um, you know, Hogak came out and literally broke the format. <laughs> like, could your deck beat Hogak? No, then you should not play your deck. Yeah. That, that format was, you had a main deck, Leyline of the Void. And even, like, Hogak players were main decking, like, Force of Vigor 2. Just to beat the... Well, they were main decking Trophy. It was the, Trophy and right. Decay. And also Force of Vigor is a card that, like... I mean, I guess now because of cards that are seeing play, like, being able to hit your opponent's land is pretty good. But, uh... Right. Like, I definitely think that MH2 had the biggest, like, immediate impact. Besides Hogak being busted. Right, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. It took a little bit of time for some of the MH1 cards to, to kind of, like... For people to realize the potential. Well, and even then, like, to me, the MH1 cards aren't, like, like, yes, Renin 6 is super good and, like, is is played in decks, but you, like, there is literally a deck called Murktide. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, there there is literally a deck just called Murktide, because that's the deck, and it plays Ragavan Darcy, you know, and there, and there are decks that are Delirium-themed because of, uh, Unholy Heat Darcy and you get Urza Saga. So, like, you know, now there are actually, uh, 
there are actually like decks that are just this is the deck versus like you're never gonna see a hello guys this is my season pyromancer deck right so like that's uh that's my opinion like i definitely think mh2 out of any set ever has just had the largest like format warp ever on the format like of course there are still decks that are good like tron is still a deck you could play and stuff like that but like one of the best decks is blue red murktide which literally has almost only mh2 cards in it even like the fetches are mh2 printed <laughs> the scalding tarns you yeah buy a, a bunch of cases and probably just build the deck not the most financially responsible thing to do but you can get just about every card um so like it's just really interesting to talk about mh2 and about everything and then talk about like talk about cards that like <laughs> if they were unbanned now like i'm a fan of the chaos theory and i'm a fan of just unban it all no i know no. that it's not a thing that could ever happen usually like I'm a fan of Hogak getting unbanned. It will never happen. Wizards has already said they're not going to unban cards to just do it to do it. But, like, it would be kind of interesting. I know the big one that everyone always talks about is Summer Splinter. Yeah. No, definitely not that. <laughs> it is Splinter Twin. It is the biggest. Now, if you want a good watch or something, I, it might be a video or it might be a Reddit thread. I think it's a Reddit thread. There is a whole Reddit thread about like why the history of bannings in modern, and it is really interesting to read about like how Splinter Twin got banned, and it got banned pretty much almost the same way that, um, well, I guess not the same way as uh, Inverter did. Well, kinda. It was community like the thing about Splinter Twin was that it was the highest percent deck played yeah. during that time. Like it was tier zero basically, but like it wasn't the best deck. It just was the highest played deck. So they banned it because of that. So a lot of people were like, oh, you could totally bring it back now. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very interesting to kind of think about stuff like that. Um, like, I don't know. I don't know what they could unban, and I don't think they're going to ban anything. So I'm, I'm going to be real with everybody. I think Modern's going to be the same way it is for a while. Like, I don't think there's going to be a banning. Um, we're not going to get another super banning like when they banned uh, Monkey Man and, and Tybalt's Trickery and uh, what else got banned in that? It was like Tybalt's Trickery, Monkey uh, Uro, Mystic Oh, that was the Uro banning. That was a big, big chunk of Modern got ripped out. Right. I think that one, Pioneer, they banned Combo. Oh, they banned uh... No, no, that was different. Yeah, when that they was banned Burner, they banned... They, that was a combo banning. Yeah, because they... And, and, and I agree. I think that if Pioneer is going to be a combo format, or uh, I think, okay, how a Wizards kind of set Pioneer up was to be a mid-range format. Like, play all your big, dumb, stupid slow decks, basically. Um, which is kind of weird, and Brent's going to be offended. Like, why is Lotus Field in the format, then? That's the case. Because interesting gameplay. Next question. I All right. I've, I've played Phoenix, and I've sat across Lotus Bloom. Brent already knows how the story goes. We I don't have fun. Oh, I have fun. I, yeah, you, you I, have you have about the same feeling I did when I played Hogak. Like you're like, yeah, I'm having the time of my life. Like I'm doing everything. What are you doing? <laughs> no, they love it so much. They're gonna put it in. They're gonna give it away uh, for well for you for know. Money. And that's like the biggest BM to me. <laughs> you ever you, no? Those are like the safest decks to buy into because they're literally giving you the deck. <laughs> yeah, like to me, it's like the biggest BM. In the sense that if you hated Lotus Bloom and Pioneer, then you're going to hate it even more. Because they just basically were like, hey, this thing is uh, going to be in Standard or Pioneer forever. Good luck, guys. Oh, it's you could play around it. You could just uh, play Alpine Moon, Damping Sphere. You have the same same cards in, in Modern. Just do that. God bless, Brett. God <laughs> bless. Well, also, and it has the problem with like like all storm decks in modern where they just play aggro. It's like, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna beat me because I'm not gonna stop you, <laughs> aggro player. Yeah, but the thing is, like the format's super. Like a lot of the best decks are super slow. 
Like yeah, that's true. Like, Niv, Niv to Light. Niv to Light's mm-hmm. a really good deck, and it just has like almost no text against that matchup. So funny. Like I was looking at the at Goldfish. The number two deck was uh, in Soul, which I thought was like kind of in the tier two, tier three. It's like the second most played or second most represented deck right now. Uh, because they got Black Staff or whatever. Yeah, the white dude, the white creature. No, 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 no. no. They got both. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. But they, they got, got they the play thing both. that turns a thing into a four-four forever. Right, right. Or not forever, as long as the staff is tapped. Right, and that's that's a pretty good addition. But I was still surprised. Like it makes <laughs> like it obviously makes sense that they play it, but I did not expect it to be the number two deck. Brent and I kind of talk about AFR, um, a lot, and about how like there's not a lot of playables in it. No. And, uh... No. But there are some, like, key <laughs> playables. Like... Like, I told Brent that the the thing that, um... Uh... The, the cards that I think are going to be good past AFR's, like, lifetime. I think the Fastlands... If you're looking at pickups, I think you should just pick up the Fastlands. They're, like, a dollar. Or whatever they're called. The the ones they're basically the uh, monocolor creature lands. Yeah, like that, that fit the color pie in a sense. Like you spend four dollars, you get four of them. I bought four of the blue one because. And that's a good pickup. That sees played now in blue control. Yeah, like modern plays it, and like the red one is now seeing more play. Like black red mid range plays it as a three of, and then like the deck I'm playing tomorrow plays it as a one of. So like, I mean a three two that makes a one one tap to attacking like rabble rabble is not that bad. Um. And, and I played a singleton of the green one. I don't play it now in, in the Amulet Titan, but for a hot minute, I was like, I think the card might be good enough. Yeah, like, I, I I don't even know what the white one does, but white's always bad. So, I mean, you know, do what you will with that information. Well, you get and... Castle Ardenville in a lot of those formats, too. And that's, you know, Castle Ardenville's pretty good. <laughs> Five mana total, make a 1-1. Woohoo! Hey, it, it, that's a win con. Or is it is it three to activate or four? Four and tap it. So, yeah, like, so five, yeah, you're, five you're tapping five lands, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> fucking Castle Ardenfield. Yeah, I think I think you're right. The lands are like, and that's close to it. You needed your one copy of uh of the guy who, who the shop owner. Oh, in your, uh, in deck. Uh, he's a two up, but he's like an uncommon. Like, if we're just talking about like cards that matter, like if you play modern regularly, like get Demolix now because oh, they're like six know, bucks. Yeah. Also, I'm playing, I'm going to play it on combat in my deck in Amulet Titan. Good old Gretchen, my younger sister. She's not from, wait. Yeah. Is she, she is. from AFR? I thought yeah, she was from Strixhaven. Is. No, she's uh, AFR. Let's go over the card because I know everyone is like, <laughs> who is that? Um, so Gretchen, I'm going to get the full text. Gretchen Titchwillow. Uh, legendary creature, halfling druid. Uh, two cost is blue green for 0-4. You can play, pay two blue green, draw a card. You may put a land into play. So Cole's asking, he's not, but he's asking. <laughs> well, Brent, golly gee, why do we put this in the amulet titan deck? Well, here you go, Cole. So God. the combo is, <laughs> while I speak on your behalf, is two amulet of vigors, uh, Gretchen, of course. And Simic Growth Chamber. Uh, you pay the four mana, draw a card. You put play Simic Growth Chamber, uh, which adds you that same four mana. You get that same four mana back. Eventually, you can get your Amulet of Vigor, or or I'm sorry, uh, Explore, which will net you two additional mana. Uh, Azusa, same thing. Dryad at that point will gain you a single mana. There's all these cards that gain you enough mana where you can eventually just cast all your Titans and your Dryad and Valka and all that fun stuff and just win the game. I think it's just really good. Okay, let me clarify. I don't think it's very good, but I'm going to try it. I think it's fun. I mean, like... I, there are times where you're going to have... Uh, where you could just pack for Titan and maybe win, but Gretchen will definitely win if you have, like, two amulets, which is so easy for us nowadays, and uh, Simic Growth Chamber, which is a four of copy. Like, th- I think there's it's going to be niche enough where it might be... Decent and like a lot of the five O lists in Amulet Titan, they include a one of copy of this card. 
So that's 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 a hot tip from Brit. It's on the house. Foils are only like fifty cents. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a standard card, so <laughs> just still. I probably a... won't. In a real event, I probably won't play it. But I think it's like a decent pickup. Right I mean, now. it's a fun FNM thing. Like I, I, I usually always tell people like if you take a deck to FNM, even if it's a tiered deck, like mess around with it. Um, like, just do something to it. Like, I'll, I'll try different things with Yawgmoth sometimes. I think uh, through the breach, I was playing Teamer for a minute at our FNMs. Right, I know you kind of poo-pooed it pretty quickly, though, and I think Blue-Red at that point was just the, the better deck. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I would never recommend... <laughs> recommend... Right. We also had the, uh, that was also, you played that in an event where it was Team Unified Modern. So we you had to, like, kind of, like, adding green meant you took away yeah. the players, Veil Summers. You needed a breeding pool, which is an amulet staple. It just, like, it did kind of um, interfere. Like, our decks, actually, Amulet Titan, Blue Red Breach, and Tron, there was, like, virtually no overlap, which is a pretty good sequence of, or pretty good set of cards that we played. Or decks. That was, that felt like that was a long time ago. That was pre that was pre MH two, so that was a different time. Yes. Um. God, that was oh, that feels like forever ago. Honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so weird to talk about pre MH two, because like, um, it's just such a different world. Like now, like trying to think, I'm trying to think of what the best deck was. Uh, I I remember when we were discussing decks, we were more, or like potential was like, all right, we get one like at that time it was like you get one bolt deck, you get one veil of summer deck, and you get one and then one of one deck that doesn't include those cards or something like that. Now it's like you get one Darcy deck or one Ragavan deck, one Urza Saga deck, and I don't and, and a third deck. Yeah, it's it, it so crazy. And Urza Saga, it, it overlaps a lot of decks too nowadays too. It's just so good. No, it, it is. Uh, it's just so strange now. To we we always keep coming back to it because I played Modern for a long time, and uh, it I I don't think I've ever seen a format shift as hard that I can remember. And I've been playing since like Infect had Git Probe. And a little before that. Even I remember when Art Like Phoenix came out. And we actually had a time where standard sets like with with uh, Throne of Eldraine with uh, Oko and Gilded Goose and then Uro. Like standard got or a modern every format, they got very warped by these new cards. Uro, Croxa. Yeah, I guess also uh... We, we're getting a, a, that a lot less now in the last. In well, the they, they've kind of they've kind of learned. Um, yeah, no, which, no, yeah, which I'm happy about. I'm tired of standard, modern powered standard sets. Um, like, I guess Throne would be the biggest impact because of Oko, or maybe right, War, yeah. maybe War of the Spark. There was kind of a, like a lot of them. Like even Phoenix was like the best deck when that was printed in modern. Yeah, but, like, the difference was, like, all your other decks were still the same as they had always been. That's true, yeah. Because Dredge was still Dredge, Tron was still Tron, and then Phoenix. Oh, well, yeah, it was, just, it was just people just played different sideboard cards. But the thing I'm talking about now is, like, some of the old decks aren't even really that good anymore. Right, for a while, Tron was not good. It's just now, the past, like, week or two has been a very good choice. Mm. Or, like, a, a very reasonable choice, I should say. Yeah, like, uh... Like, Dredge isn't even really a deck that I see anymore. Post-MH2, I have not seen it. I don't think it may have been in a 5-0 dump once or twice or something like that. But man, it is like, you cannot find it. And, the and like, the other thing, too, is, like, uh, you know, they, they literally got a new toy in uh, Strixhaven. Yeah. The the white, the white, white red cathartic. Oh, right. And, yeah, people were like, oh, yeah, Dredge is a huge upgrade. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. it's just, it's so weird. Like, it, it, y'all at home, 
if you're listening, should really just take a minute and like think about when you got into the format, and then like now, like if you got in an MH two, obviously this is not like this is the format you've known, but like think back how often the format has changed and i don't mean like a new deck comes up and it's a good deck and then it kind of stays in the format i'm talking about like your top four decks are completely different or we'll add top eight we'll say top eight because you know tron sometimes is like your third deck and then it goes to your fifth deck you know dredge is sometimes your second deck and it goes to your uh like you know whatever so but like uh those decks, like, I don't know, I really want people to, uh, to think about them, or think about that, is what I mean. Yeah, just, like, I'm looking at the Goldfish metagame, like, a lot of these decks are new, are because of MH2. Like, Hammer Time with Urza Saga, it got better, and it left meme status to be, like, one of the best decks. Which, uh, another big thing, another big thing, that deck was a meme. And then became a really good deck. So right. Well, Inverter also was a meme too at first, but then like pretty quickly, people were like, "No, it's it's real," and it was very real in Pioneer. Oh, Sentinel also helped uh, uh, that deck as well. As for Sentinel, that's true. Yeah, that card is nuts. Right, and then Blue Red Tempo also. That's like MH two. Uh, basically, the entire deck's MH two. We have Footfalls, which had Charlotte's Agent. Elementals had the free Elementals. The free Metals. Had, yeah, I think Burn and Tron, they get no, literal nothing. Uh, I Burn, mean, if they're playing Darcy, and that, other than that, not really. I mean, I, I don't think Tron plays anything MH2. Um, no. Yeah, I'm kind of like. I mean, their main board got changed because of it, but. Oh yeah. They, oh, they they play Yalva Maya now. Yeah. Okay. They do. Uh, Jun- Force of Vigor. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's wild. And then we get Jund, who's playing Ragavan, I think most of the time. And or Darcy. or or uh, idiot. Yeah. Like if you play like traditional Jund, you play idiot. If you. And idiot, by the way, is Iggy or uh, Ignoble. Um, he just has this dumb face. It's so adorable. So I call him right. my little idiot. Uh, and then, like, if you play like New Jund, it's completely MH two. Right. And then, like, Blue White Control is uh, uh, kind of different with Chalice in the main and. Maybe well, they play like Solitude. They play the best it, removal in modern yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty prismatic ending. Talk about a really good card. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, I, I remember hearing someone talk to Sam Black about it. It was originally a instant, and they're like, no, it's way too good. It's the best removal spell, period, in life. Um, I would be impressed if they made that card an instant. Oh my god. I would be, no, it would be, I'd be oppressed. Because uh, it would be oppressing me in every way possible. That card would be way too good. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, go to combat. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, snap. Play it too. Oof. I love that more decks are playing Lavinia now. <laughs> Stop Cascade. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that kind of that came kind of showed up out of nowhere. Well, I mean, the the problem with her though is that um, she's she's killable. Like, you'd stomp her. Yeah, that's true. I guess you yeah. can't stomp her on two. Or no, yeah, you can, because on the stack, uh, stomp is two mana. Yes. Yeah, okay, so yeah, you can. Yeah. Good old, good old Lavinia. Right. Oh, it just, it makes me so sad that Amulotitan is so far down the list. It's not even on the front page. It hasn't been for, like, over a week. Really? Yeah, yeah. Has it been? I mean, Etron's also not on the first page. Mill's not on the first. They're like, and this is my opinion to everybody, by the way. Don't be like, play what you want. I had really good success with like Etron was one of the big decks in our HBMO, and it's not on the first page. Like, play what you want to play. Um, you know that like it. 
I think Modern's in the position right now to play what you think is fun. Really. Um, and that was always the best strategy, was like, what's your what deck can you pilot the best? You're probably better off playing that. Like, if I were playing tomorrow, I'd probably still play Amulet. Or maybe... I mean, day two. Yeah, day two. Yeah, and I, I would probably play something wacky, like with Swan Songs, but I'd probably play that. Um, or, I'd, I don't know, Twiddlestorm. That's a pretty good deck. Uh, yeah, I've seen you win four games in a row with that. Yeah. And it's so fun and interactive. Lots of symmetrical gameplay. There's actually a lot of points you don't see in that where like it actually like matters. It's kind of it's kind of crazy like the amount of thought you have to put behind it. Yeah, it's it's actually uh my opinion has been and I've told Cole this for a while, it's so much better than Gift Storm because you don't have you don't play creatures. You just like you just win without cuz I think Gift Storms you kind of just have to have Baral or Electromancer. You don't, but you kind of do. So that's that's my opinion. And, and you know what? And that's a kind of a good thing too. You get all these playable decks. Like Amy the Titans, like on the second page with Mill and Etron, and that space. But it's still a good deck. Like it's definitely playable. And then even lower on the list is the Glimpse of Tomorrow deck, which I it's a miserable game to, thing to play. Heliod right after that. These are just all good decks. Yeah, like I definitely think. Um... I definitely think play what you want. I think that's yeah. a big thing. Um, and uh, yeah, like I, I think at the end of the day, you need to ask yourself if you enjoy the game uh, also and enjoy the deck you're playing. Like, I think that's like the first big step. Well, that's a, that's a conversation for later about. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we can end it here. Yeah. I was thinking that too. Um, so good luck tomorrow, Cole. I will also see you tomorrow for, as a spectator for a little bit. Um, and next week we're going to talk about uh, how you were able to pick up that trophy. Yes. Yeah. All right. We will be giving a tournament report, regardless of how I do. Yeah. Um, ne- uh, that next week. Uh, do we want to do card of the cards of the year? I think we'll do cards of the year. Uh, so uh, this was something. I'll, I'll be quick about this since we already said we're ending the show. It, it's just going to be the best card of each set. I think we're going to do the best color of each card yeah. of the year. So the best like blue card of the year 2016. Uh, we wanted to do it this week, but actually just with this 10K coming up, like that's just what we want to talk about. And next week, I think we'll do card of the year um, for the past few years. And uh, we'll do 2021 after we get, uh, after we're a little bit deeper into the new set being released and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, we'll probably... Is that the last set of the year? Yes. Uh, yeah. No, no. there'll be another. Actually, there's going to be one in November, like the other half of this. Like, oh, yeah, two, yeah, yeah, It's like they're, kind of doing, they're doing kind of weird this time, uh, two Innistrad sets. So we'll do, um, I guess that'll be November, and then we'll do card of the year 2021 at that time. Good stuff. Yeah, good, good stuff. All right. Well... That's it for us. Uh, Thank you for listening to the MTG Painful Truths podcast. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Later, y'all.